Welcome, everybody, to an off-season edition of Spits and Suds. So great to be with you. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. And joining me, as he always does, EP Ringside, Shap Shots, D Magazine. The name of his book that talks about the Texas and Dallas Stars is We Win Here. He is Sean Shapiro. And many of you have been wondering, like, how come we haven't had new Spits and Suds episodes? What's going on? You know, the fact is, is Sean didn't want to do the podcast with me as soon as he saw the Ryan Reeves deal, which means that I was right. Is that correct, Sean? (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, clearly that was the, clearly that's the reason. You got to admit, when you saw that signing, you thought of me, didn't you? (laughs) When when, when Ryan Reeves got signed for three years, I said, well, we got to wait three years until we can do another episode. (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah. What a deal. I, I just I have to say what a deal. I mean, and for three years, a three year deal for Ryan Reeves. Definitely thought of you right away, man. You know, <laughs> it's so funny because it's like Toronto trying to get over the hump, and that piece that gets them to the next to the next round will be Ryan Reeves. I, I mean, I I made this point right when the when on, I believe it was on Twitter, right when that deal was signed, like the whole narrative and the story I'm reading about like, Oh, the the Maple Leafs are bringing in Reeves for this toughness and everything like that. And Gavin, how many times have we talked about this stars team needing pushback and they could be pushed around. Ryan Reeves got knocked out of the playoffs this year by the Dallas stars. Like that's, 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 I mean, I, if you want to bring Ryan Reeves in as a 13th forward now and for a one-year deal, I don't mind that. That's fine. But right. Brad for living to go and decide I'm going to make a three-year deal for Ryan Reeves. I'm going to make this part of everything for me. Like that's a, yeah, I, uh, that, that's a choice that I would not co-sign. Um, and, and it's I mean, interesting would, because they so. kind of had that last year in Wayne Simmons and he was a healthy scratch at times. So I'll be interested to see. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole Ryan Reeves tangent that we don't need to go on because we need yes. to discuss the Dallas stars uh, off season and get Sean's thoughts as far as uh, what the Dallas Stars did, and I have my own thoughts as well. So let's start with the biggest one. Um, mm-hmm. Well, actually, two big ones. The re-signing of Evgeny Dodonov, um, yeah. which, you know, might have flown under the radar considering what else the Stars signed in the offseason. But this was a player that I was interested to see. Did he go for the contract or did he take less money to stay here in a system that clearly has shown that he can thrive in, and he chose to stay in Dallas. Yeah, I like the I like the Dodonov signing. Um, I liked the trade in season. We saw his impact. We saw maybe even more of a reasoning to. We saw how much he was missed when he was hurt at the end of the playoffs and in that Vegas series. And I thought it was a really tidy piece of business by the Stars and Dodonov to two years, two point two five per. Um, brings him back to a coach that he works really well with. I think he got pretty good looking at like how the market played out, Gavin. I wonder, I think he probably could have gotten more year, Mm -hmm. more money from somewhere else. I don't know if he was getting the two, but I don't know if he would have gotten the two year deal um, with that term. Like he probably could have gotten like, I mean, Corey Perry signed a $4 million one year deal with Chicago. Like yeah, that that's is... that like, like we talked about Ryan Reeves. Do you talk about ridiculous Corey Perry getting 4 million this year is, uh, getting 4 million for, from Chicago this year is, is crazy. 
Uh, but so I think Dadadoff could have gotten something like that if he wanted to go to one of those teams, but wanted to go to a place where he could win, wanted to go to do that, and kind of made the tidy piece of business by him, tidy piece of business by the stars. And uh, what a great, uh, even before another big move, which we'll talk about in a little bit here, what a great little piece of insurance policy as you kind of work your way into some of those young future top six guys moving over. But Dadanov yep. doesn't doesn't mess up your long-term plan, makes your present better. I thought it was a great piece of business to get it done that way. Yeah, yeah. I thought he fit into the system well. I thought I love his corner work, Sean. Um, I love what he did, you know, as far as I thought I felt at times he had, you know, I mean, when he was playing with a lot of confidence, it was like he had eyes on the back of his helmet. And, you know, I just the chemistry of that line was very impressive as well. And, um, you know, so when when I look at that deal as a multi-year deal, I agree. It's a great bridge for some of the young guys coming up, but it's also good for Wyatt Johnston. And it's also good for Jamie Ben because the three of them just seem to hit on something. So uh, I really like that a lot. Okay, so then Nashville buys out Duchesne. Duchesne mm-hmm. was a little surprised by that, thought he was going to stay in Nashville. Nashville, obviously under Barry Trotz now management, is changing um, their style, um, what they want to be, new head coach. So Duchesne gets the buyout. We talked earlier on the podcast about a potential suitor buyout, but that didn't mm-hmm. happen. And then the Stars grabbed Matt Duchesne. This was kind of... Now, the Stars have a history. Jim Nill has a history of looking at players coming off of buyouts. Um, the Ryan Suter himself coming off a buyout. Uh, Corey Perry came coming to Dallas after a buyout. You have... And then Duchesne was... Honestly, it was... Of all of the... Uh, there's a lot of culture shedding, changing moves for Nashville this year, but there was also a lot of uh, cap shedding moves. And basically, Barry Trotz is deciding that I'm kind of ripping it all down and rebuilding it here. And Duchesne probably was someone who shouldn't have been available, and he does become available and is arguably one of the best offensive pieces available in a pretty overall weak free agency market. And stars get it done for one year. Three million. Like this is this is this is a big win for Dallas. The, this signing, the Duchesne signing, it's um, a guy who is two years removed from a great offensive season. Still had still put up offensively last year on a really poor Nashville team. Comes in and just kind of creates so many different. Just adds to a bunch of different combinations you can put and figure out in the. Uh, Within 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 your top six, and once again another deal that doesn't block the long term vision, doesn't get in the way of anything, and just adds that depth, that second adds more and more to that secondary scoring that this team will need if they want to win those those additional five games or sorry the additional six games they were missing in the playoffs this past year to to win the whole thing. Um, for me, the Duchesne signing, like you look, you're taking around the league and you're looking at how teams built. I mean, Dallas may have made, this may have been the best move of the, in the UFA class of anyone, uh, 3 million, one year for Duchesne. I mean, that's, that's, that's a steal. I mean, I t- mentioned Corey Perry making 4 million for a, a year before for Chicago. I mean, to get Matt Duchesne for 3 million for one year on a contender, this is 
this is one of the best moves of free agency class by anyone across the league. Last couple of years, he's been really healthy. Um, 78 games in 2021, 20, 22, 71 games. I mean, you look at the points, like you mentioned, Sean, 56 points last year on a low scoring Nashville team, 86 points the year before too early to project where he's going to be, but I would guess it would be on that second line. Yeah, I think there's just different, couple different ways I could see it playing out. I could see him playing. You could see him on a second line, maybe with, 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 uh, you could see maybe with a Ben and Johnston, but then again, you could see Dadanov there. You could see maybe you could make, make it maybe him and Sagan running together on, on a quote unquote third line. That's really intriguing. Um, I think the best part about this is this fits so well with Pete DeBoer's vision of it's more of a top nine than a top six. And I think that's one of the, the this move kind of fits so well with that. Um, and so I think just kind of call him a second line player, third line player. I don't think the stars are structured so rigidly that way where you can use that dis- distinction right now. I think he is definitely we there's clearly a first line, but he is definitely on if we use that as the I think I think the stars this year are going into a spot where I think they can be structured as a team with an A line, two B lines, and a C line. I think that may be the best way to look at this team instead of saying one, two, three, four. He fits onto obviously that A line being the Robertson Pavelski hints. And then the B line, however you want to structure it, he fits really well into one of those B lines, whether you want to call it the second line or the third line. And I love the different ways you can play with this. You can figure out what works, figure out what doesn't, and you can move things around and he's a finisher and he can score. This is another, this is another piece that, that, that is really going to help Dallas. I think so. I, I like it a lot. So there was, and maybe, so I was thinking this because Duchesne signs the same amount of money as Max Domi, who agrees to mm-hmm. a deal in Toronto. $3 million. I guess the question is, Sean, I'm wondering at the time of the Duchesne signing, if Domi's camp thought that they'd get either a multi-year deal or a little bit more per year. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure from what I've heard, Domi's camp at the time of the Duchesne signing was still looking for larger term and yeah. larger and larger dollar amount. And that's something where ultimately was not available. Right. Um, Which, uh, by the way, I, uh, I don't yeah, think they yeah. misjudged the market. A lot of people said, well, they misjudged the market. I, I don't know. I I had Max Domi as a multi-year deal with a club. A, a lot of people did. And I, I and I think I think there's two things about this deal, about not re-signing Domi, that work really well for Dallas. Um, I don't know how well... So like Matt Duchesne, right? You bring you bring Matt Duchesne in and it's a one year deal. And if it doesn't work, and because some deals don't work, if it doesn't work, you just move on from it at the end. Max Domi, well, I, I think he definitely showed himself in the playoffs and everything like that. Um, you bring him in, even if you brought him in on a one year deal like this, there becomes a ton of internal pressure to to re-sign him and get it done and re-sign him in the middle of the season that I think you're not going to have with Matt Duchesne. And if Matt Duchesne is a multi-year player in Dallas, that's great. If you earn, if you earn, if, if that becomes the fit, that's amazing. 
Um, just like how Joe Pavelski came to Dallas originally, and people thought that was going to be one deal and done, and yep. it's continued. I, I think Matt Duchesne works much better with the long-term plan than signing Max Domi would have been. Because Duchesne is going to be a year, maybe two. Domi was going to be someone who wanted more, someone who you were going to have to make that investment and commit to him as part of the core for 25-26. Three years, uh, two seasons from now. Sorry, It's a weird time to record this, right? Like we're in July. So not that, but like so three yeah. seasons from now, but really two seasons from now. And I don't know if I want to commit to anyone like that who's... I, I would I don't think I would have wanted to commit to Domi like that for three years. And um so I think Duchesne ended up Duchesne falling into their lap like this is like it's one of the best possible things. Yeah. It's it's really well done. You're listening to Sean Shapiro. I'm Gavin Spittle. It's Spits and Suds, the offseason edition as we go over each reagent that the Dallas Stars signed and a couple of interesting signings that might go under the radar for now. Twenty five year old Sam Steele. Becomes a Dallas star on a one-year deal. 25 years old, as I mentioned. Career high, 10 goals. Career high, 18 assists for the Minnesota Wild. He comes to Dallas. Tell us about Steele and what he brings to the table. Not the biggest guy, but I like his chippiness. Yeah, I like Sam Steele a lot. He is one of those guys who um, you may remember him from. he, he He played with against Dallas in the playoffs with Minnesota. Uh, he was a pretending RFA, a restricted free agent that Minnesota did not qualify for cap reasons and uh, because he would have had uh, arbitration rights, I believe. And uh, either that or it was his qualifying offer. I may be getting that mixed up. I, either way, the Wild did not qualify, did not keep him for cap reasons. And uh, so Dallas basically gets an opportunity to take a flyer on a good 25-year-old player who plays physical, brings good energy, has a little bit more offensive, has a little bit more offense there than I think people realize. And I think this really allows the, I think the steel signing is part of a real changing of the guard of the personnel reflecting the fourth line Pete DeBoer wants. Um, I think, Jim Nill is as a GM has always worked to kind of build roster construction to fit his coaches as opposed to forcing his coaches. But sometimes that takes time. So I feel like DeBoer last season was working with at times more of a Rick bonus or Jim Montgomery type lineup with Luke Lindenning, Luke Lindenning there, who was fine, but Luke Lindenning was a clear checking line role player. The stars had clear checking line role players. Pete DeBoer wants four lines that basically do the same thing without the specific checking line role. And Steele comes in and gives them an opportunity to be a little bit more offensive, be a little bit faster, play with more speed on that fourth line. And uh, I, I like it a lot. It's, it's another one of those where I just keep, I think the work the stars did at forward on free agency is, is really impressive. And I wrote a lot about this uh, last week in D magazine here, where, by bringing players like Steele and you're taking some smart bets and you're also bringing players in who can thrive in that role, in that fourth line role, where they're not 
the old, like the gold standard for in Dallas, right. was the Fox, uh, Como Cagliano line that people, that old FCC line where you're not building a fourth line that has to do that, where instead it's a fourth line that is annoying, pestering, but plays with speed and can put the puck in the net. And I think a guy like steel comes in, his transition game's pretty good too. Um, I think this is a signing where people are going to, this is one where obviously, and rightfully so, Duchesne is going to be the big name that people are going to think about and everything like that. But I think Steele is going to be that guy where come early November, early November and stuff like that, the uh, early November people will be, people will look at the, uh, will look at the Steels, be pretty happy with this guy as a member of the Dallas Stars. I think the key word for this offseason for the Dallas Stars is depth because another yes. signing they made is veteran Craig Smith who's played for the Bruins and several other teams but you know just a just a solid forward um who can give you uh, quality minutes score you some goals every once in a while but I mean that when you look at the fourth line I, I gotta be honest Sean if I'm Mason Marchment I have to have a good season I think this is going to push push Mason Marchment because I mean, look, we have we have Duchesne now. So does Mason Marchment move down? And where does he move to? I mean, you could be looking at, and I don't think this is the case based on four point I'll give you four point five million reasons why this won't be the case. Yeah. At least the start of the season. But you could be looking at a fourth line of Foxa, Sam Steele, and Mason Marchment. Yeah. Is that is I mean, that crazy that, that, to think that? No, it's not crazy. I mean, it's as you said too, Marchman is his contract is contracts make jobs now many, yeah. in many ways. So four point five million dollar contract. Um Marchman's going to get the extended opportunity to do this. And the Craig Smith signing, I like the Craig Smith signing. I do too. And I, I know and it's I, I like it from a level of it's a million dollars doesn't really impact your cap too much. Um I, I see people keep trying to like build and figure out these these forwards groups. Like I keep seeing these stories and everything like that about like, oh, who's the thirteenth forward and who's this and everything like that. Um I I think in today's NHL, I, I, I don't think that thirteenth forward conversation matters until the playoffs, honestly. Um, because it's such a such a physical game. It's a long season. The amount of players that actually play 82 games a year is so few that I think trying to like figure out, oh, who's the odd man out on the fourth line? And yeah, like I gotta remember, right? Like Ty Delandry is unsigned right now. So they've yeah. got 12 forwards signed. They got 12 forwards signed, and Ty Delandry is an RFA. And we'll assume Delandry gets done, I would guess, probably around. I would guess, like, if I'm, and I'm literally just guessing here, I would guess Delandry probably gets done for about probably two years, 1.5 million per that's, that's me just ballparking it right now. So if we assume that's going to happen with Delandria, like people will be like, Oh, who comes out of the lineup, whether it's in that fourth line, I, I think for the regular season at the NHL, it's to try to figure out 13th forwards and stuff like that. It's kind of a faulty discussion to have because very few te- teams don't stay healthy. Guys get hurt, things move around. So you need to be for you need to be 13 to 15 forwards deep for regular season success. And Dallas was that. And Dallas is that, I believe. 
And so that's what a guy like Craig Smith comes in and he's, whether he plays on opening night or like, I bet even, even if he's quote unquote 13, right on the depth chart, still play 65 to 70 games in the year. And he's a player who is, comes in as, as a, I think as a little bit more offense than people realize and is a, another player too, where if he is that guy that comes in and out of the lineup, depending on how things shake out, I talk about this quite a bit where I think there is an element that people often forget about some, some players have the ability to come in and out of the lineup and play their game right away. Um, Joel Hanley, for example, has that ability where he's a guy who he could, he will play the same game. If, if, if he will play the same, if there was an NHL game right now on Tuesday, July 11th, Joel Hanley would play the same exact game he played that he would play on November 15th. If he had just played 10 games in a row. And I think Craig Smith brings a little bit of that element to the forward core where he could play a lot, but if you, if he's sitting for two weeks, you're not worried about Craig Smith coming in and playing his game, uh, after that. And I think he brings, and I think that's a vital element to how you construct a forward core in today's NHL. So it's, uh, I, I, I think the forward core is really well constructed to contend and it's, I know, and we can, I don't know if you want to have this part of this conversation now, or if we want to, or if, if we want to have it after we talk about the defense, but this forward core is also constructed where it doesn't get in the way of Maverick Bork and Logan Stankoven winning the job if they win the job. That That's the other thing. And it doesn't get in the way of that. I know people, sometimes people will look at assigning a veteran player and think, oh, you blocked Logan Stankoven or, or you're back Bork and everything like that. And I think, I think this, if they come in and they win a job, then you can move other pieces around and you make it work. I think that's fine. And this also gives you space to not put all the pressure on those players to win the job. Because I thought that like, to be clear, I think, I think state going to be great. I think he's going to be a great long-term star, but I think he's getting, I think a lot of people are putting too much pressure yep. and expectation on him being Wyatt Johnston next year. And yeah. that's not, that's not fair. And I think with this roster group, I think you're at a spot that if they win a job, great. If they don't, the show in Cedar Park is going to be fun to watch yeah. and then they'll move in and they'll work their way up. Like I, I, I think the stars have built, when you look at a forward core and you look at the teams across the league and how, how they're done, it's hard to find the stars forward core got better. And a lot of the other teams, and I'm just using the Western conference for this. A lot of the other teams left to contend with. I don't think anyone else improved the way Dallas did. Um, Vegas got worse by, because of the cap casualty of losing Riley Smith for like, I, th I think it's, I mean, they picked basically Ivan Barbashev over Riley Smith. And mm -hmm. I think I, I, I don't disagree with that decision. I disagree with their goaltending decision to give Aiden Hill 4.9 million, but, yep. Agreed. Um, but, but they're, but they're, but they're, so they will be a little bit, their forward core will be a little bit weaker. Colorado, I think has made some interesting bets with, with their forward core, bringing uh reuniting uh Drewan and uh, McKinnon to try to rekindle some of the old Halifax Mooseheads days. It's mm -hmm. going to be an interesting project, but it's, it's a project. I think 
I, I, I think the stars forward core one through 13, one through 15, however you want to say it in the Western conference, you can confidently say it's one of the best, one of the best cores forward course in the entire Western conference. So and do you have any worry yeah. about Delandria signing back with the stars? Granted he is protected by the stars, but right now you have, as of today, you have $600,000 basically in cap space. So you will have to make some kind of move. And like you said, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, that the cap does not hit until the regular season begins. Correct. Correct. And it's, um, I think you look the other, the other key that you should just, just remember to like, if you look, I'm looking at cap friendly right now, it's the stars currently have, uh, what five eighty two yeah. in projected cap space right now. They have um they have Gavin Bayruther on the roster on cap friendly. And Gavin Bayruther's making seven seventy five. I Gavin Bayruther is a there's two there's two elements to this. One, either Gavin Bayruther will be starting the season in the AHL or Yanni Hockenpah will be on LTIR to start the season. So I'm not really worried about Ty Delandria getting done on this. So I think it's I think something will be done there with title Andrea and I think it will work itself out on the defense where if Hawk and is ready for opening day, Gavin Bayruther will be waived and be a veteran down in Texas. If Hawk and is hurt, they can use, uh, they can use LTIR to get him on. And, uh, and, and they can, there, there are mechanisms that they'll be, that they'll be okay. I believe. Okay. And that said, we will jump yeah. to Gavin Bayruther. Now, mm-hmm. yep. What I like about this signing is 51 games with the Columbus Blue Jackets has NHL experience. To me, that's a quality depth signing where it's not going to be the best situation, but if your decor gets hit hard, you have a guy, say he's in Texas, that has a lot of NHL experience that can come to the table and fit in. Um, and a lot of experience with the organization, too. Yeah, Remember, absolutely. Gavin Bayruther is a former Dallas former Dallas Was a big star. signing at the time. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was the. I mean, he was out of the college free agent signing, right? True, but I mean, it was every, a score. Yeah. So many said it was yeah, a yes. score for the stars. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Every, but I, I, it's it's one of those funny things where every single year the college free agent signings, it's we all get worked up and excited about a guy <laughs> picking a team, and really, it's something to be excited about at a time when like a lot of those college free agent signings, many of them become guys like Gavin Bayruther that are just nothing more than depth players, not right. bad, just free prospects you add. Um, and so I, I, I like the Bayruther signing coming in from the comfort, comfort level with the organization, a guy who I think makes Texas a lot better as you're trying to bolster that team can play in the NHL and, uh, and, and, and can be a good, be a good depth guy and, and be a good organizational depth guy. Um, it's, it, it, it works pretty well hand in hand with, I, I honestly, Gavin, I'm, tell me if your thoughts on this. I'm surprised that the other one, and I'm, I know we're jumping around a little bit here, but I'm surprised that Joel Hanley ended up taking the hometown discount to stay I in too. Dallas. I, yeah. Like I, I, like, I know for a fact um, that there were offers for, there were offers. He took the hometown discount. He took the hometown discount on both money and role. That's something that normally doesn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you'll hear a guy takes a discount on on money um, or they'll take a discount on roll, but they're getting paid a little bit more. But like Joel Hanley took the discount of 
willing to be basically number six slash seven in Dallas took some less money where he could have gone to a place like Anaheim. He could have gone to a place like Chicago. He could have gone to a bunch of other places and made some more money, but just really that I, I, Dallas was the only place he was willing to take this type of deal. And uh, that is the perfect number seven. Like he is like, he could come in and play. He can, and everything like that. Like it is the perfect number seven defenseman. And uh, I'm, I'm credit to Joel. I mean, you could see like when a guy resigns, you see, you sometimes see on social media, the uh you ready for something funny real quick yeah, yeah, yeah. while we're while we're recording this uh dennis garyanov just signed with the nashville predators oh literally while we're while while we're recording right now yeah and uh, you know i mean listen when you put that tree branch yeah. out there i need to comment i yeah. i was genuinely surprised that montreal did not re-sign him i believe it was a qualifying i believe yeah. it was an rfa thing i believe it was an rfa cap thing so it's uh but yes, as as we are literally uh, recording right here, this Denis Skiryanov goes to goes to Nashville. So see him in the division next year. Um, uh, but where are we? We're on Joel Hanley, and yeah. Joel Hanley is the. A lot of times when you see players get signed or re-signed, you see players react on social media about other guys. Like it's to me, it's pretty notable of how much the Jake Ottingers of the world, the I think it was Tyler Say, like the amount of like you don't get big name players typically reacting to depth defenseman signings. So I I think that shows a pretty good idea of what Joel Hanley means to that group and where he's in the locker room and, and how much he kind of fits well for that group. Like you talk about good room guys and Joel Hanley is that guy. And, um, you know what? He could have chased bigger, bigger role, bigger money, um, and instead decided he wanted to kind of stick with what's worked for him and worked for the stars. And more power to him for it because it's. Uh, I think I think he'll continue to be. He'll play this year. Um, ideally, he's not playing in the playoffs because others have emerged in within the defense score and, and what we'll talk about soon here. But in general, this is a. That on the defensive signing, I, I like that. I like that move on the defense signing because that's a move you shouldn't have been able to make. Correct. Based off what everything else I heard. Yeah. I mean, you and I have talked about Joel Hanley's career and uh, it is at this time, you know, it's great to take a step back and say, you know, congratulations, Joel Hanley. You earned this. You truly did. I mean, you every single one of the things we talked about throughout the playoffs is do we think Joel Hanley was a top six defenseman? No, we didn't. But every single time he was called upon, and we have to hit upon the point, it is so tough to sit and then not only come in a regular season game, but come in and make a difference in playoffs like he did. I mean, replacing Colin Miller like he did a few times. That to me, you know, I mean, congratulations, kudos. Thank you for yeah. taking the hometown discount. I mean, he truly, I liken him Sean to a Jordy Ben where yeah. this guy has fought for what he's earned. And sometimes we don't appreciate those guys enough. We look at the superstars and you're right. The fact that so much social media love was coming his way 
I think that probably played a factor as well as far as the Stars' interest in Joel Hanley as far as, you know, I mean, because you do have those new players coming into the room and everything like that. So seems as though he's a solid fixture as far as the guys really liking him. And and it's the uh, the Stars are a big, big culture room. We talk about the, it's one of the reasons Jamie Ben's actions it's one of the reasons Jamie Ben's actions in that game against Vegas and game three against Vegas tanked them so hard. They follow Jamie Ben wherever they go. But when things are going well, they really are that type of group. And Joel Hanley is one of those players that makes up the fabric of that room. I mean, and the other thing I like about the other good story about Joel Hanley, and it's just, it's a sad story, but a, but it's a good story, is Joel Hanley now, uh, he wears number 44. And when Hanley was 19 years old, and I know this story has been out there before, but it's always a good, it's always a nice thing to remember. Um, and, and just of what it means. Cause like you sometimes look at numbers and, and some guys just wear a number for whatever reason, but um, Joel, Joel's older brother, Jordan uh, was killed in an, in an accident when he was 23 years old and Joel was 19. And that's why Joel wears number 44. And uh, to kind of, you look at, Kind of like it's. I've talked to, you've talked to, I've talked to Joel Hanley about it before. Obviously, a couple of years back, and and a lot of the way he plays, a lot of the way he approaches life comes from his brother. And so, when you mention congratulations on his career and how he's earned this and everything like that, it's also a big reflection of the family. And I think it's, it's something that uh, is is always kind of cool to me when you see him wearing forty four because you know a little bit of that reason behind it and kind of what he's carrying with him too. And finally, the stars signed on the defense uh, side, uh, kind of a, a traveling defenseman, so to speak, was a high pick at one time, Derek Puglio. From, and this uh, is more of a, this is more of a Texas move. Yep. That's way more of a Texas Absolutely. move. Um, he'll, uh, I mean, he'll play NHL preseason games. He'll, but he'll be, that's more of a Texas move to kind of help, um, They've got that that Texas team is going to be very interesting this year because you'll have uh, you got some young kids down in Texas that are going to be believe Liam Bixel is going to take the jump this year to North America. Uh, Artem Grushnikov, sorry, is going to be a full time AHLer this year. Um, You're going to have. I think Kairu has to go back to junior for another year. I believe I have to double check that. Uh, but you've you've but you're gonna have some young pieces of that core, and so between Petrovic, Puya, mm-hmm. uh, Rosberg, those guys are gonna be important to helping the young Texas defenseman take that next step and 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 kind of um, help them over. So it's that's one of those signs signings where I know some people will look at it and be like, "Why would you do this?" It's it's to help the organization in the long term because those those guys are so vital to helping the AHL team take that next step. Yep. And as we talked about on an earlier podcast, Matt Murray resigns. So mm-hmm. um they do have some goaltending depth. Uh so it's been a very interesting I, off season. Yes, sir. I was gonna on the goaltending depth real quick. I would be and I was I don't know. It's the inter- obviously that the cell would be the interesting on this. When you look at, we talked about the defensive signings and we looked at the the forward signings, but 
when you look at some of the guys still available on the market, um, and Alex Stalock, uh, Yaroslav Halak, would you feel better with one of them as Scott Wedgwood Insurance as opposed to Matt Murray? That is a great question, my friend. Um, boy, I would say yes, based on games played. However, I have to admit, and you might differ, I was impressed by Murray last year. I thought that he played well for Texas throughout the year, was their go-to guy, and in the times that he came up on short notice, I thought he played well. Um, but I would have to go with a stay lock, a more proven uh, netminder who's been in the show. Either that or a uh, the other one that pops to mind on there too, and I just don't, I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he'd be willing to sign a deal to be a number three. Um, but Martin Jones is still a UFA too. Yeah, and uh, I, I just look at the Dallas situation, and we look at the goalie situation. I think we saw, I've said it on this podcast before. We saw Jake Ottinger. He played too much last year. And the biggest issue wasn't his health. It was Scott Wedgwood being unhealthy and the team not really being able to trust Matt Murray. Um, So I am, the more and more I think about it from a star's perspective, I look at, I think, I think Remy Poirier has a chance here. But I also think Remy Poirier is only 21. And I look at Remy Poirier as I wouldn't mind Dallas reaching out to those kind of UFA goalies that are still out there, thought they'd have a job by now and don't, reaching out to Martin Jones, reaching out to Staylock, reaching out to Halak, um, reaching out to even, even a Brian Elliott, who I think will retire, but he's technically hasn't yet, reaching out to one of those those guys and being like, look, would you be interested in joining us in kind of that number three role where you can go to Texas, share the net with Matt Murray. Um, we'll send Poirier down to Idaho so he can be a guy and play 65 games as a starter. And then I feel a little bit better because maybe, maybe you need that guy. Maybe you need a Yaro Halak when there's an injury, maybe Matt Murray outplays him and you don't need him, but then you still have him. So I, I, I would, if I was Dallas, I would be ringing the those those goalies' agents' phones just to start putting the feelers out there and be like, look, we're going to need a number three. We want you to come in and push Matt Murray. If you're out playing him, you'll be the guy. If not, you'll still play in Texas, and we'll give you – we'll work out a good NHL, AHL deal. We could – you could even – do one you could create one of those like you could even do the one way where for 775 or whatever where they could get the one way even to play in Texas. I I think that's an insurance policy that the stars need to invest in because you can't have everything fall apart and you can't have Jake Ottinger's game correct fall apart because you didn't make that move now. I think that is one of those moves the stars still need to make because I th- I don't. If Matt Murray's down in the AHL and he's out playing Yaro Halak or out playing Staylock, great, he's the guy. But if he's not out playing them, I can turn to Halak or Staylock. Yeah. I would, I, I would. So this is where this is where I would be. If I'm Dallas, I'm I'm making those calls to see who is 
still sitting here on July 11th as we're recording this without a job and would be interested in, in, in that because I think that would be savvy and it's the, and it would be essentially insurance. Why do you get insurance? You get it for when you might need it. And if you don't use it, fine. But if you do, you'll be happy you made that call. And I also wonder if the Staylocks and Jones will be waiting until NHL training camps begin to see who comes up with the injury so they can get signed too. They could, but I, I also think there's a bit of a carousel that starts to, to play itself out where I think you want to get in as a goalie in that space. I think you want to get into a spot where you're at least playing preseason games. Yeah. I think you want a chance to, because just betting on an injury um, could be risky too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So let's get to the defense core because yeah. there yeah, weren't Let's talk any... about that. Yeah. So <laughs> Ryan Suter does not get bought out. Not only that, Jim Nill does come out and say, you know, that they have full confidence in Ryan Suter and doesn't understand why there would be talk of a buyout, basically, paraphrasing. So I, I, I'd like to, I'd like to provide a bit of context. To, please do to, to, to that, that what happened with that, because I was now that those comments weren't directed at me. They were correct, uh, directed at Saad Yusuf from The Athletic. Um, I, I think we need I think there's a proper context that needs to kind of be brought up to where that chippiness from Jim Nil came from. Um that was after day two of the draft. Um, after day one of the draft, Jim Nil held a pre- had a presser availability after day one of the draft. I was there. Um, he was asked multiple times, will you consider any buyouts? And he said no. And there was, and it was covered. Honestly, like the, the it was, it was covered. Jim Nil was asked about it. He's been asked about it multiple times. He answered those questions. On after day two of the draft, um, the question was delivered to Jim Nill of about Ryan Suter buyouts. As Jim Nill was walking out of the arena, walking away from the draft floor, and in a spot where he was being asked a question, he had been frankly asked the day before. So, I, I, I don't. I think the question's definitely fair. The question, the que- not that the question's not fair. The question's fair to ask about Ryan Suter and everything like that. But I also think the vi- the virality of the chippy comment from Nil, I don't feel like the context was laid out there properly enough that this was done while he was walking away from the draft floor after he'd been asked about it repeatedly the day before. I I, I think there's a bit of frustration in how the question was asked that I think wasn't provided in the coverage of it. And this is not to like, it's just, I, I I just think that's important context. I'm not trying to take sides. I'm not trying to pick at anyone. I, I just think that's an important context of, I, I've i dealt with Jim Nill for a long time. I've covered him before. He's told me I'm wrong to my face. I've told him he's wrong to him. I've told him he's wrong to his face. We've had those discussions. I've never had him get chippy with me. And I think a lot of it has to do with kind of the setting and how it played out that I think that context needs to be just, just out there for people to know where I, I, I just, I just think that's important. I, I don't, I, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I hope mean, so, listen, I, I, I hope someone's getting my point here because I, I have criticized Jim Nil before. Criticized have, him on this show. 
Yeah, he's criticized. He's he's told me I'm wrong before. I've and I've been wrong at times on things, and I've told Jim no, I've been wrong, and he's and vice versa. So I, I just think there's a context here that was kind of missed in the in the Twitter virality of the snippiness of it all. If uh, so, that's that's where that goes on. That I'm just I I think it's important. That's that I think. I think that's what our listeners appreciate about this podcast. It's real, doesn't have spin, and you can take a step back, good or bad, and say, let me give you some background on this. And that's what makes you really good at your job, Sean. So, And that's why I appreciate you doing this podcast, that you can say, let's look at the setting. Let's let's talk about where this came from. Let's talk about that the question was asked the day before. So I think it's very good context for for our listeners. So. With that said, let's go through the defensive core because as of right mm-hmm. now, you have Miro Heiskanen, Essa Lindell, Ryan Suter, Yanni Hockenpah, Nils Lundqvist, and Thomas Harley, and Joel Hanley would be your seventh defenseman. And yes, you do have that depth sign of Gavin Bayreuther. So my thing is, Sean, I'm just going to be very real with you, um, and maybe it's a trade deadline deal, so that would be a better chance to use some cap space because a lot of your player salaries have already been paid for. You really have a good understanding of what your cap is for the rest of the year. And I say all that to say, while I give them high marks, Sean, on the signings of Duchesne, Steele, Smith, the Donoff, regular season this team could still thrive with this defensive core. I am deeply concerned about deep into the playoffs. And what I mean is a Stanley Cup with this seven. I just feel as though playoffs change and I need more muscle on the back end. And that might be old school, but I think it was pretty apparent in the playoffs that there were some defensive lapses and, you know, they were getting moved off the puck and they struggled to get it out of their own zone at times. And I just felt as though that needed to be addressed. And I know also, mm-hmm. as I continue to ramble, that we've talked multiple times on this podcast, so I have to give full transparency. This was not a great UFA class for defensemen, but I feel as though even if you have to give up a good asset, I felt as though to take you over the top, you really needed an another top four defenseman. I, I I really think the stars will go into the deadline. If if I'm projecting how things play out, I think they will have to be sh- shopping at the deadline for a top four defenseman. I just I think that's the truth. Um, I I look at this stars defense and it's there's a certainty, and then there's a lot of question marks. It's a certainty and five question marks. You know what? Let, let's let's it's it's a certain it's it's a certainty. Five question marks and then another certainty because we just talked about Joel Hanley where I know what Joel Hanley is. But you start between Miro Hishkin and, and Joel Hanley. You have Essa Lindell, who is 29 now, make a 5.8 million. Looked slow at times last year and kind of hit a bit of an aging curve I didn't expect him to hit. Is he going to, you have a question, big question mark about Essa Lindell. Is he going to regain some form? If he regains some form, I feel a lot better. You have Ryan Suter, who I personally should have been thought should have been bought out because I think of some of the things he blocks on the top end um, for some other guys and some other opportunities. I think it would have been a, more of an addition by subtraction type deal. 
um, is going to be a year older and a year slower. And it's, we saw some of the awareness that was just lacking in that Vegas series. Big question mark on him. Yanni Hockenpah coming off injury. That's his own question mark. And then also, I don't know. He, he looks slow at times too. Um, like one of the lessons of Vegas, of Vegas winning the cup is it's not size. It's size that can move. And Hockenpah's got size. I just am not sure how well he's going to, how, how well he's going to move as he continues to age. Nils Lundqvist guy. We have to talk about a, you sent a first round pick for him, played 60 games last year, obviously not big. Is he going to take the next step this year? Because you really need him to big question mark. Yep. And Thomas Harley, less of a question mark than I think some of the other guys, but still a, is he a, do you have, and he'll never be in the Miro tier. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. He's not going to be in the Miro tier, but is he a legit number two on the defense core that can win a cup? Is he a guy who either, whether it's either, Maybe he's with Hashkinen and he's and and they're rolling out together twenty eight minutes a night and you're and it's like and it's a super pairing or is he running his own pair like I, I think he's already their second best defenseman is the question is is how good of a second best defenseman is he another big question mark and so when you go into a season with a certainty and a guy who will and should get Norris Trophy votes Amiro Hashkinen and then a bunch of question marks. I'm I'm lacking a lot of the certainties that give me the confidence in this defense core to win the whole thing. I think the Stars will have may win the Central, may have the, one of the best records in the West with this defense core. They will be fine in that realm. The question becomes how do the question becomes huh? the question becomes how do those question marks solidify themselves over the season? And I think the Stars are going to take a long hard look at themselves around the deadline and be looking to shop defensively because um and I and I think there's positive signs of that. I, I, I really do. I think the Colin Miller trade, uh trading away Colin Miller was one of those moves that you're not going to think about it much really ever again. But they realized that Miller wasn't an answer and wasn't a solution. And they moved the cap space and they got it done now. And I think at least that gives me hope that they'd be willing to be a little bit more self-aware at the deadline and get something done. Because if they don't, you're going to go into May and June and you're going to get the spot where you're the question. It's going to start to start to wonder, is this defense core good enough right now? It's good enough for the regular season. I remember and Colorado. Really, yeah, I remember Colorado. Yeah. Sean, a couple of years ago, made the trade with the Islanders for Devin Taves, and oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember saying to myself, "That's the piece that Colorado needed." Mm-hmm. Um, and at the trade deadline, then they went and got Josh Manson, and you know they continued just to get tougher with tougher players. And I'm not calling the Stars not tough, but what I am saying is, is clearly that was something that both you and I noticed in the playoffs that needed to be addressed in the off season. And as of yet, it has not been addressed. So, well, and, 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 and you, as you said, to be fair, what there's not really many solutions out there that correct. that really can. I mean, do you really think a uh, like who's even still out there? Like, 
do we really think a guy like listen john klingberg got good money on the ufa market yeah, exactly. that's all yeah, you need exactly. to know yeah yeah i mean the i would i don't know if i would like a lot of the guys just kind of fit don't fit the the mold where they're fixing something right, right? good players like, but they're just guys I, yeah, like I mean, like Patrick Nemeth's still out there. He's big, but yeah. he was awful last year. Yeah. Ethan Bear, Ethan Bear is still out there, but Ethan Bear, I don't want to bring in because Ethan Bear gets in the way of a uh, Ethan Bear gets in the way of what I need Nils Lundqvist to be. Um, I really don't like Caleb Jones's game. Um, I like maybe. I mean, I think. Does anyone really like you look across the board? Like, is do you really want to bring in like a 36 year old Nick Holden? Like there's no, there's like, I, there's not really the solutions out there. And I think your better solution and pay point at this, that after what you've done is to go into the season. And maybe everyone proves us wrong. Maybe Essel Lindell comes out like gangbusters and he's Essel Lindell again. Maybe Nils Lundquist gets it. Maybe Tom, maybe, maybe all of a sudden by December, you and I are like, wow, we were wrong. Maybe that's the case. And if that's the case, great. If we're not, and I, do, and I think it'll be somewhere between us being right and wrong, somewhere in the middle. If we're not, I think you need to definitely be shopping at the deadline for a defenseman to, to, to solidify this, this cup chance. No, you're, you're, absol- you're absolutely right. I am looking for what, what I love about the Spits and Suds fan is that their interaction with us on Twitter, I love seeing it. And especially when it's like really well thought out and it's one of those things that, and I want to give them credit. So I'm going through my mentions, but um, so basically salary wise, Sean, mm-hmm. Seth Jones matches up with Tyler Sagan. Sagan has more years left. um, And both are on no movement clauses. So both would have to waive that. But to me, that was awesome of the listener to think of that. Give up something to get something. You know, a lot of times people are like, oh, let's go get, you know, this top defenseman and we'll give you a third round draft pick. Well, that's just not going to happen. So you are yeah. giving Chicago something. You are getting a defenseman back. So my question to you is, would that improve the situation? Would have Seth Jones coming home to DFW improve the situation? And what was the trade again? Seth Jones straight up for Tyler Sagan. I don't think so. Okay. I, th- I, think, I, I, think, I think the... I think Seth Jones... Seth Jones himself would improve the situation. I don't think you improve the team by taking away Tyler Sagan. I don't think, I, I think that is the, that's kind of the issue. Um, obviously it takes, it takes a lot to takes, takes big money to get big money. Um, but uh, I mean, if I'm, if I'm Dallas, the player that I'd be a little bit curious about, and I know he's not the greatest analytical player, but I think if you're looking at a guy who comes in and maybe adds um, some depth to the defense, and I think 
can and be a little bit of that that guy. And now the issue is he signed a three free signed for three year deal with the Ducks. Is I'd be wondering about Gudas because I thought Gudas is a guy who, and I'm normally not the you have to go get that guy, but I think we talked about this defense. We th- talked about this some some of the things that are lacking. I think Arako Gudas instead, if I could replace Rako Gudas with, if I could replace Ryan Suter with Rako Gudas yeah. right now, I think this team would be better. Yep, I agree. Because I think, because I think for two reasons, I think Gudas would be more willing to. Gudas brings more of that physicality. He also would be someone who would be a veteran type locker room guy who wouldn't have to play top four minutes and would be willing to de de-escalate his role for the good of the team and like if i could trade those two right up i would do it you won't you can't but but if i would i could okay and that was chris barnard by the way thank you chris yep. for sending that in also how way asked prior to debrinket being traded which we're about to mm-hmm. um he had asked you and i who would we prefer tyler Toffoli, who's no longer with calgary or debrinket and I thought it was interesting because Debrinkat's going to carry a larger salary and Toffoli clearly is in his latter years, but, you know, has a lot of playoff experience. So that was prior to free agency, but yeah, Alex Debrinkat on the move. And this is an interesting player that we had talked about. And Sean, you had confirmed that the stars did have some interest and he was traded and you pointed out on Shap shots that Ottawa Probably should have got more from Detroit and Steve Eiserman kind of pulled a fast one. So let's get into that because I thought it was interesting because the stars did have interest. He's a young guy, puts up big numbers, you know, can put up big numbers for your team. Interesting point. I'm sorry. Interesting piece for a growing Detroit franchise. Yeah. The Debrinket saga is, uh, I mean, how many times Gavin in the history of the NHL, and I'll expand this to any sport. How many times can you think of a pro sports franchise getting the worst end of back-to-back deals on the same player? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I, 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 I just, I mean, so Ottawa makes the trade for at the draft last year for Debrinket. They trade number seven, I think, a second and a third for to, to Chicago. Um. Chicago, brilliant work by Chicago. They make themselves slightly worse in the process. Pick up another pretty good prospect, and and and, and on the uh, on the path to uh, on the path to getting a uh, to getting Connor Bedard, they uh, they accelerated that. Ottawa brings to bring it in, doesn't really fit well with them. His goal total slipped to twenty seven this year. I think that was kind of a little bit of a that was kind of a finishing that I expect to kind of more even out. I expect him to be more of a 35 to maybe even 40 goal scorer next year, wherever he plays, which will be in Detroit now. Um, he, uh, and then once at Ottawa is an RFA who would have had required a major qualifying offer. It's kind of the final poison pill of the Chicago deal where um, for a quick background for people who don't know when, uh, when you're a restricted free agent, your qualifying offer. We talk about a qualifying offer. That means it's the last. It's the the last. It's the final salary of the last season. So it doesn't matter. Your cap hit doesn't matter. 
It's what your salary was. So Debrinkit made nine million in salary this past year. So to play in Ottawa on a one-year deal, Ottawa could have qualified him for nine million dollars. They instead filed for team elected arbitration. And when team elected arbitration happens, it's uh, it allows it did two things. It allowed the senators to potentially keep him for slightly less if they didn't work out a long-term deal. I believe it was 85% of the cap hit of the of 85% of the 9 million. And it also protected them from an offer sheet. And so Ottawa and Debrinkit could have gone all the way to arbitration. It would have been August 20th. The dates came out the other day of what it would have been. It would have been August 20th. Um, if they didn't work out a long-term deal there, Debrinkit would have played in Ottawa on one-year deal, and then he would have been an unrestricted free agent. Senators felt they had to trade Debrinkit. Debrinkit wanted out. Fine. This is where I start to get confused, Gavin. Not con- I mean, I, I know what happened, but this is where I just start trying to figure out, uh, wrap my head around this stuff. Debrinkit goes to Detroit for a first-round pick, what I would classify as a C-list prospect, a guy mm-hmm. who I think is nothing more than maybe a depth defenseman if he ever makes the NHL, and a fourth-round pick. And I, uh, sorry, and, and Dominic Kubalik too, yep. who was a, who's an expiring, who was a, Kubalik I think is a fine, is a fine piece on a team if you're just having him hammer one-timers there, but doesn't really do much else. And he's a guy who w- will be an unrestricted free agent next summer anyway. So it wasn't a long-term part of any, any system. It really, really just comes down to, it seems as though all signs point to a salary dump, right? It feels that way. It also feels like it just feels to me like both the Ottawa Senators and Alex Dabrinkia, and I'll get into this, left a lot of money on the table and a lot of value on the table by taking this subpar deal from the Red Wings. Mm -hmm. Like this was the only, I mean, kudos to Detroit. Great job by them getting this done for that value. And then on top of that, they signed to Brink into a four-year deal at yeah. 7.78 or whatever it is. And that's a deal that is probably actually to Brink its market value. But no no one in free agency is supposed to sign at market value. Like market value is goes out the window in free right. agency. You're supposed to sign for way more. And so do you want to talk about Ottawa first or to bring it first? Which one do we want to go down? Well, first? I mean, am, am I correct? I yeah. mean, you know, like, you know, he was quoted as saying, you know, you grow up a Red Wings fan. You know, I mean, so hometown discount, I guess that that's his end goal. I, I, he wanted to play for Detroit. I, I, I guess I guess it's a hometown discount. He wanted to play for Detroit. If that's what he wanted, more power to him. What I don't understand. So let's get to Ottawa first. Real quick. Yep. If you're the Senators, Gavin, we see we've done trade love deadline shows. We see how much teams are willing to spend through the nose at the deadline. People get crazy. They just start spending way too much and giving away way too much. You're telling me Ottawa couldn't have gotten a first and a C couldn't have gotten better than a first and a C list prospect for Debrinket. Yeah, at could've. the deadline they could have. Like you could have got you could have gotten a much better deal. Yeah. Instead, you could have gotten a much better deal. And for Debrinket, by sticking by staying in Ottawa through then, he could have gone to a contender where he could have done what Ivan Barbashev did this year, go to a contender and maybe go win a Stanley Cup next year. Yeah. He's not winning a Stanley Cup with Detroit next year. Right. Just, he's not. I mean, Detroit is not, I don't even, I, I would put Detroit's playoff percentages at 25% in that, in that, in that division, even with the Brinkett. Yeah. And so 
And then on top of that, he left, he signed by signing the four-year deal. He bought himself past the two, es- the two big cap escalating years in two and three years from now. So I, I just, I get wanting to return to your hometown, wanting to play there. I get all of that. I understand the logic. I, I just don't get why you wouldn't bet on yourself a little bit more. And you could have ended up in Detroit at free agency next summer. You could have done that. I agree. You could have ended, you could have ended up anywhere at the free agency mm-hmm. next summer. You would have been the one of the, the one of the the biggest name biggest players available. And if you're Ottawa, why did you like not this, to mention is, Ottawa has yeah, some really good yeah. pieces. So yeah. you don't know so what's I, gonna happen. I mean granted it's a brutal brutal uh, division, especially with Buffalo yeah. coming up. You have Florida, you have Tampa, you have Boston, you have Toronto. Uh, just a brutal division. But at the same time, I mean, I, Ottawa was not a bad team last year. So at, yeah. at some point, you have to keep your own. And you have to say, here we go, rather than stockpiling, you know, draft picks. And Well, and, and, and if he didn't want to stay there, that's fine. Yeah. That, that's fine. If he didn't want to stay there and he was going to go, that's okay. But you just – you. you you maximize your value and Pierre Dorian did not maximize his value here. Right. Right. Yeah. uh, Very, very uh, interesting. Okay. We got two more things before we go. Mm -hmm. And thank you so much for staying with us on this off season edition of spits and suds. The NHL draft happened and Sean is going to break down every single player that the stars drafted (laughs) and give their percentile of, um, um, of chances of making it onto the main roster. And he's so good, he's going to give you the number of years before that happens. And I say all that to say, <laughs> this is Gavin's opinion. Folks, in the juniors, it's like figure skating out there at times, I feel. Everybody looks good. And until you make it, you know, perfect example, Maverick Bork looked really, really good in juniors. What happened in the first half you know, when he started to play in Texas. There were some struggles, but you look at the back half of last year and how effective he was. I like to always say the rink shrinks, and it shrinks in the NHL when you go from preseason to regular season, and it shrinks even more in the playoffs. And when you go from juniors, and these kids will could play a couple more years in juniors or a year in juniors or whatever their age bracket is, but when they take that next step to either the ECHL or more likely the AHL, it's a game changer because you have former NHL players that you're now playing with, uh, guys like our guy, Curtis McKenzie. And so that's my monologue to say the following. We don't know how these kids are going to work out for the Stars, especially with not a first-round draft pick. But it does lead us to why the Stars didn't have a first-round draft pick, and I think that is going to be a key thing to look at this year. 100%. I mean, that's the bigger deal. The bigger deal is you didn't have a first-round pick this year because of the Nils Lundqvist trade. And so you need to make sure you are maximizing value on Nils Lundqvist. You need to make sure he is getting opportunities to play this year, that he has a chance to grow into what you think he can be since you spent a first-round pick on him. The amount of times Jim Nil says, like, oh, we think he's like a first-round pick. We would have – he's much farther along than any first-round pick we would have had. Okay, now prove it. That is the big thing. And that also falls obviously on Nils Lundqvist himself too to prove it. But that's 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 the big thing because the draft for me for the stars this year is it's a bad of it's a it's a bunch of 
okay, let's like, I mean, it's, it's like, let's see the last two years, 2022, uh, 2022 and 2023 draft the stars have drafted one, two, three, four, five. They've drafted six defensemen. The yeah. They're trying <laughs> like, like of, of those like six defensemen. Um, if I had to, if I gave you an over under of two and a half, how many will play one wow. game, one game for the Dallas stars, <sighs> you have to the over under of two and a half. Would you take the over or the under? Knowing what I know, two, I'd take the under. Yeah, I, I think I think you're okay. I think you're okay with two. I it's but it's still you're like I I have a rough time being able to confidently say a third one would actually play games. And that's not against any of them in general. It's just the reality of that the draft is a crapshoot. I mean, yeah. The um I said this to someone the other day. I would change, I think the NHL draft. I think team players are so well drafted now where I don't think like I think we're getting farther and farther away from fifth round surprises anymore. Like I think the Mark Stones of the world, the Jamie Benz of the world, I think those guys are going to be fewer and fewer as we go forward. Cause I think the I think players are just too well drafted, are too well scouted now. I I think I think the after you get past the four the four the the fifth round after you get past the fourth round really every player of real consequence has probably been taken. There's going to be very few guys, I think, after that. So my draft strategy, and I've said this before, I can't remember where I said somewhere else, but my new draft strategy, if I was named the director of, if I was running the draft for a team, I would take four, uh, first, first four rounds, first four rounds, I would take, I, I, I would take my best skaters available, do that, see what I got, first four rounds. But for rounds five, six, and seven, every year I'm drafting a goalie. Just drafting a goalie because this the position is complete crapshoot. I'm drafting three new goalies every year. If they don't work, who cares? <laughs> yeah. How many goalie, how many goalies have been drafted where I'm like, ah, well, I mean, like last year, what they drafted a kid named Maxim Mayorov from Russia. We'll never see Maxim Mayorov. Yeah. Like <laughs> well, and, and um, let's uh, you know, I think like, a great <laughs> example of that, Sean, is is remember because they were playing in juniors at the time as far as world yeah. juniors. Ooh, who's going to be the better goaltender? Jake Ottinger for Team USA or Colton mm-hmm. Point for Team Canada? Exactly. Exactly. And Colton Point and coming out of Colgate was hot. Yes. I mean, was. that was a guy that everyone liked. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I, it's, I, it's, 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 you're right. It is, it is fascinating, but I, I will give credit to Jim Neal and his staff. One thing that if you look back and you look back at the Julius Honkas, if you look at the, I mean, you can go to the draft picks and, and see the Nachushkins or, you know, so on and so forth. I really feel as though his scouting staff has improved over the years. Um, and I really feel as though that staff now is dialed in in many ways. When you look at the prospects, when you look at the depth signings, it, you know, it's, I give a lot of credit and yeah. congratulations to Jim Nill on winning GM of the year. It was well-deserved, and, you know, he, he continues to to show. I mean, because I had my doubts about Jim Nill, especially about the four- or five-year mark when the team was missing the playoffs every year. Like, this guy, guys, this can't continue. But at the same time, you know, they put it together, some key signings. Obviously, Pavelski was massive. So, you know, things like that. And, you, you know, you do need some luck, too, because injury happens. We saw that with Hemsky and, uh, oh, my goodness, 
I, I tried to take him out of my memory. Came from Arizona, Martin Hansel. There you go. No, oh, yeah, yeah. So that's that's a, <laughs> another one. And we did want to give credit. Uh, the Stars announced their Hall of Fame class going in this year. Craig Ludwig did not make it, unfortunately, but our guy will be there at some point. So this year, Ken Hitchcock and Ed Belfour well deserved their NHL Hall of Famers, and uh, just a, a massive part of Stars' legacy. I guess I guess I didn't. One thing I didn't know. I mean, I knew. Obviously, I, I knew guys with retired numbers were obviously in the Hall of Fame. We're in this team Hall of Fame. I guess I I had, for whatever reason in my brain, I thought that they had automatically included players. I thought so from too. The, in, from like Hall of Fame players, and yeah. automatically. Yeah. So like when 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 I saw that Belfour was put in, I my head was like I. But he already went into the hockey hall of fame. I thought he was already in. So yeah, um, obviously deserving and, and everything like that. But I actually thought I didn't realize he wasn't in it. Yeah. Um, uh, and Ken Hitchcock for obviously he, the coach that won the Stanley Cup when they were in Dallas for his story, and and, and then he goes into the hockey hall of fame this year. So definitely deserving of being in the Stars Hall of Fame. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's uh. But yeah, on Ed Belfour, I was surprised Ed Belfour wasn't in that initial. Like, yeah, I, I thought he would have automatically been in. So that's. I mean, I guess. I, I, guess I really like the organization doing that, especially with the limited yeah. numbers they have in the rafters, and uh, you know, credit uh, Stars management for coming up with that idea. Um, and I know it sells tickets when they bring them out and just do like a Ken Hitchcock night or whatever. Or they do meet and greets. There, there are several uses for these things, and they do do a big fundraiser as well. But. I do think they should just say going into the Hall of Fame this year, 1999. Yeah. And just put the whole team in. You know? Yeah. <laughs> because that, that you know, set the tone. So, um, but hopefully our man, you know, uh, Craig will be there. One of the things I like about Craig, and I want to end on this, because I am going to say something nice about Craig. He'll never say anything <laughs> nice about me, Sean, but I will say, you know, Craig is such a low-key, even-keeled, easy-to-talk-to if you went up to Craig and asked for a picture, he said, sure, if you want your picture with Brett Hull, happy to do it. Um, because, you know, Craig just, he's just Craig. He's just a normal guy. When you look at this, not only the two Stanley Cups, Sean, but 17 years in the NHL, when I mean, the guy was a workhorse, you know, and he's just like, if you, if you picture that today, like, you know, and there was an NHL veteran that's there 17 years, you'd be like, oh, my God, this guy, yeah, amazing. You know, kind of, mm-hmm. kind of how we look at Phil Kessel in many ways. Who, by the way, got another Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah. And, and the Iron Man streak is still technically live because even though he didn't play in the playoffs much, the Iron Man streak is based off the regular season. It's so. going to be a fascinating conversation when it comes to him in the Hall of Fame. Really is three, uh, three cups, Iron Man. I know. Gonna be, uh, Good oh. stats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A- absolutely. All right, my friend. Wow, that's an hour and 15 minutes. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it, um, but we're not done yet. I, I definitely want to do a, a listener question feedback one where yeah. you and I just answer a bunch of questions about the offseason and about the upcoming regular season. So we will continue these offseason uh, programs. Hope everyone had a great fourth. Uh, it's great to see the hockey offseason was alive and well, and it was just so fun to follow. And you, my friend, thank you for doing this in the offseason. And uh, we appreciate you. And everyone can go continue to read Sean at EP Ringside, at Shap Shots. You, he posts all his articles at Sean Shapiro on Twitter. He's got a new book out called We Win Here, which you haven't picked up yet. Pick it up. I'm sure Sean will get you an autographed copy. There has to be some kind of wheeling and dealing. 
I know I have to do <laughs> my own wheeling and dealing. I'm going to get a book at some point. Um, I have read excerpts for it. I'm excited to uh, read the whole thing at some point. So we win here. Go buy it today. My friend, you're a beast, and uh, we will uh, put together another show soon. For sure. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for sticking with us on this offseason. We're so excited for the upcoming regular season. Once again, massive signings from the Stars. And we talked about the defensive core. So that was today's program. Excited to bring you some offseason programming soon right here on Spits and Suds. Have a great day, everyone.